Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. In one of its first policy moves in the Middle East, the Biden administration focused on war-torn Yemen from two directions. It announced an end to supplying Saudi Arabia and the UAE arms used in their offensive campaigns against the Iranian-backed Houthis, helping them only to defend against Houthi attacks on their homelands and shipping in the Gulf of Aden and in the approaches to the Red Sea. And it revoked also part of the Trump administration's measures against the Houthis by distinguishing between the organization as a whole, which will now be exempt from sanctions, and various of its leaders who will remain on the forbidden list. The rationale is the same, concern about the humanitarian crisis for Yemeni civilians. What does it all portend for Yemen, and is there a lesson to be learned from it regarding President Biden's regional policies? Joining us from elsewhere in Jerusalem to analyze this matter is Dr. Neil Bombs, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us. Also joining us from central Israel is Dr. Eran Leoman, who is the vice president of the Jerusalem Institute for Strategy and Security and a lecturer at Shalem College in Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you. And with, uh, indeed, and with us in uh, uh, the studio here is our TV7 analyst and uh, host of uh, Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on the latest developments pertaining to Yemen. Well, for the uh, less initiated, uh, if not the uninitiated, there are three H's in the Middle East which are both Islamist and nationalist for their own nations. These are Hezbollah in Lebanon, Hamas in Gaza, and the Houthis in Yemen. Now, uh, the Houthis have been fighting uh, their side of a civil war uh, for more than six years now. And they have been in cahoots with uh, uh, former President uh, Salah and then uh, against him, and now they are against the Hadi uh, government. Um, To make a long story short, on uh, January 19th, uh, a full day before President Biden took office, the uh, previous administration, uh, represented by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, designated the Houthis uh, a foreign terrorist uh, organization, an FTO, uh, which means uh, sanctions on it, uh, on its leadership and assets. And this was done at the behest of the Saudis. Uh, and obviously the Saudi leadership uh, was uh, uh, quite close to the, Biden, to the Trump administration. So uh, they presented the incoming administration with a fait accompli. And then Biden and his Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken, had to contend with this new status quo, uh, whether to keep this uh, designation uh, and uh, thereby uh, perhaps uh, uh, prolong the humanitarian crisis which is, uh, of course, the very reason uh, Biden uh, stopped uh, the uh, uh, sale of offensive arms, or at least the permission to use these arms in uh, offensives in uh, Yemen because uh, civilians were hurt. And what um, uh, at least Secretary Blinken, of course, with the support of his president, came up with was a sort of a compromise. He kept the designation of um, foreign terrorists for three Houthi leaders, personally, 
but he revoked it for the organization itself, the movement itself, in order to help the uh, uh, 30 million Yemenites or, or 20 million of the 30 million Yemenites who are considered uh, at risk uh, of famine and other uh, humanitarian uh, crisis, um, hoping that this will lead the way for uh, peace talks uh, in Yemen. Maybe this is too optimistic. It remains to be seen. But it signals that he is not beholden to what uh, the previous administration did at the very last hours uh, before it uh, gave the White House and the State Department over to Biden and Blinken. Indeed. Uh, of course, per the statement of the United States, uh, when uh, Antony Blinken and also President uh, Biden spoke about this, uh, they emphasized uh, ending all American support for the, the conflict in Yemen. But then uh, National uh, Security Advisor Sullivan also stated before the statement made by President Biden that it does not include al-Qaeda in uh, Yemen. It does not include all kind of elements that uh, the Americans recognize as challenging, but it pertains specifically for the Houthi uh, militia, which uh, was smart enough, uh, and this is, of course, uh, the extension to this, was smart enough to embed its economic system with that of the entire uh, country of Yemen, which unless it is uh, used in order to provide humanitarian support for the Yemenites uh, living there, uh, they will starve. So uh, by de facto designated uh, this organization, it means that uh, the Yemenites basically are holding hostage the people of Yemen, or am I mistaken, Dr. Bums? No, I don't think you're mistaken. The, uh, the discussion here was less about whether the United States now uh, gives uh, credibility or recognition uh, to the Houthis, uh, a group that uh, was uh, created not uh, so long ago. The name comes uh, from the 2004 uprising, Hussein Badr uh, and from the, the Houthi tribe. Uh, but Yemen, uh, essentially, uh, in the following the Arab Spring and then following the 2005 uh, uh, rebellion, uh, had. Uh, really became a split country and became uh, a country that is uh, depleted by uh, war, uh, starvation, all the reports uh, of uh, the United Nations and other groups that they were able to, to see the situation in Yemen describe uh, a very difficult scenario. And the fact that the uh, United States supported uh, the uh, Saudis, uh, uh, the Saudi-led uh, uh, campaign against the Houthis, had further exacerbated the situation. And we've seen, uh, again, reports upon reports upon civilians getting hurt. The statement that comes from the U.S. administration is not that all of a sudden they realize that the Houthis are not terrorists. Uh, they very well uh, uh, may uh, be, and, and this is not that the U.S. is now coming to their support. It's basically the U.S. is saying, look, we got to hold on for a little bit, uh, restrain some of the allies. And we perhaps, just like Amir said, we will try to uh, deal with the situation in Yemen uh, from a humanitarian perspective and perhaps bring a diplomatic uh, move uh, that may, uh, as it was tried in the past, uh, but now uh, they will try that again. Again, a different move uh, from the previous administration and a move that says uh, to the uh, region at large that the U.S. Uh, under Biden 
uh, would like to see different moves, would like to try diplomacy. This certainly have ramifications uh, because the Houthis, of course, are supported by Iran. Uh, we're now having another very diplomatic move in the context of the JCPOA, uh, the Joint Plan of Action, the nuclear agreement. So this joins a, a broader attempt of the Biden administration saying that the U.S. would like to move uh, to the Middle East with an agenda of diplomacy, not with agenda of uh, planes, at least at this time. Uh, when it comes to Yemen, uh, it's yet to be seen whether this uh, move will help both the people in Yemen uh, and then a, a potential political uh, uh, development uh, in the war-torn country. It's quite interesting. After U.S. Secretary of State, the, the previous uh, uh, Mike Pompeo mentioned uh, the the decision by the Trump administration to designate the Houthi rebels as a terrorist organization. Uh, immediately, international organizations, uh, the United Nations proper as well, came out and condemned this move as uh, a problem uh, for humanitarian concerns mentioning that even though they agree that uh, the Houthis are committing terror acts on a regular basis, uh, they are uh, also uh, in charge of moving humanitarian aid into the country and uh, uh, the international organizations actually grant money uh, to uh, the elements within that country in order to procure from the Houthis the food and, and other commodities. But Dr. Lehrman, I'd like to ask you specifically, since the intent to uh, remove the designation uh, uh, made by uh, uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken to the U.S. Congress. And until the moment, uh, exactly a week ago, when the, desig uh, the removal or the, the partial removal was uh, uh, brought into effect, uh, there were nine separate attacks by the Houthis against civilian targets in Saudi Arabia without actual international retribution to it other than strong wording of condemnations uh, that uh, of course do not help the civilian including uh, an attack on the airport yes indeed in Abha how, how do you see this situation uh, evolve considering the fact that the Biden administration basically uh, says one thing and then at the other end it uh, permits the Houthis uh, to commit uh, various atrocities uh, and of course uh, thank God no casualties occurred in, in those nine separate attacks but those are still indiscriminate uh, attacks some of which are actually dis uh, uh, direct attacks by suicide drones meaning that they're capable of pinpointing exactly where they want to strike and still they are civilian targets. Oh yes, there's no question that, um, that that is a very peculiar way of saying thank you uh, by uh, actually proving the opposite of what the Americans have just done in the sense that uh, the, these attacks against uh, Saudi civilian targets basically make the point. And, and I think the Houthis were basically trying to tell the world that um, they, they're not going to change just because the Americans need this convoluted uh, machinery of removing them from the list in order to be able to bring in humanitarian aid. Uh, if they cared for the, uh, the well-being of the uh, Yemeni people, the Houthis would have done a lot of other things differently. Uh, but um, the worrisome aspect of this is 
whether it simply signals a solution to a technical problem of bringing uh, humanitarian aid, and, and I hope Nir is right that this is essentially what drove, drove Blinken's uh, uh, decision or recommend, and Sullivan's recommendations to the president. Or is it a symptom of something else, uh, an element uh, of the legacy of um, some people within the Obama administration? I'm careful not to say the Obama administration because it was of two minds on Iran, uh, who actually think that, um, to use an old phrase, offshore balancing between um, the traditional allies of the United States in the Gulf and Iran as a rising power may be a beneficial way of managing the situation rather than being committed to one side. Of course, the Trump administration was utterly 100% committed to the Saudi side and of course also to Israel uh, and and, uh, and definitely uh, actively pursued uh, maximum pressure on Iran. If this is about creating the, the grounds for diplomacy, it's one thing. If it represents, and, and that at least is a fear or a worry that should uh, be uh, put on the table, if it represents a, a departure in the direction of this offshore balancing uh, exercise, then uh, we are facing a serious problem uh, with our American friends. Mr. Owen? Well, Yemen uh, is poor, and poor is short for oil poor. It is the poorest part of the Arabian Peninsula, and it has not been blessed with petroleum reserves. Now, maybe... Well, it's not been blessed by stability for petroleum corporations to go and explore. That's right. And um, perhaps uh, 30 or 40 years from now, when we all uh, drive uh, electric cars... Uh, even though um, uh, power stations will still use uh, petroleum, uh, perhaps uh, the other Gulf countries uh, will not uh, be so uh, extravagantly uh, rich, uh, extravagantly rich um, compared to Yemen. But Yemen, uh, for the last 60 years uh, or so, has been beset by various uh, civil conflicts. And uh, originally um, it was... Uh, the royalists, uh, there was a king there, and uh, there was a rebellion against uh, the king. There was a long-forgotten movement called Flossi, Front for the Liberation of South Yemen, and Israel was uh, involved in, in uh, transporting uh, supplies uh, for the royalists um, on behalf of uh, Great Britain, the United States, and Saudi Arabia. Never a dull moment uh, in Yemen. And um, what happened after the British left in the early 70s, the East of Aden uh, decision, uh, was that uh, Yemen um, became not only uh, strife-torn, but also of strategic importance because of its proximity to both the Indian Ocean and the Red Sea, uh, the port of Hodeida, for instance, and uh, both Israel and Egypt, as well as Western powers, are quite anxious to avoid uh, having Yemen serve as a base for Iran. Uh, Iran can reach Israel um, with missiles from Yemen. It can also reach uh, Saudi Arabia and the Emirates, uh, of course. It, ca it can try and um, strike shipping um, and the um, 
commanding general of CENTCOM, of Central Command, General McKenzie, when asked recently about Yemen, emphasized the maritime patrols and the maritime nature of the conflict. And another problem there is that it is not only the Houthis and the government uh, which are fighting. There are also movements on the western side, uh, along the shore, along the uh, Red Sea uh, approaches, and the southern uh, uh, part of Yemen. So one can hardly see any uh, constitutional, conventional, or power-sharing uh, conclave where uh, it can be brought to a complete stop and they will uh, live happily ever after. Indeed. And uh, the strategic importance, and I'd like to ask you, Dr. Bombs, about this, uh, the strategic importance when we're talking about uh, the fact that uh, in uh, the, the Sea of Oman going up into the Red Sea and in, in, uh, that uh, small corridor, a third of the world's uh, oil is transported there daily. Uh, quantities of merchandise coming from the east to the west. And of course, uh, at, at this stage, the Houthis refrain from that because uh, Chinese interests are involved there as well. And Iran uh, is quite keen on, on maintaining Chinese support at this stage. But uh, in a sense of uh, exacerbating the situation where we see that the Houthis have very specific interests uh, uh, in the north of uh, uh, Yemen, in, in other locations as well, not to forget, of course, that al-Qaeda is uh, uh, rampant in the south and southeast. Uh, to what degree do you see uh, the international community becoming more proactive if a Biden administration is not really willing to, to set the boundaries as the realm of the 21st century? Well, the international community is a very loose term. Uh, we have... Uh, looked for the international community in many other conflicts to see if the, the international community will be able to do much. Uh, but eventually, the international community is usually a coalition of a number of countries, some stronger and some weaker. And uh, often, the international community is depicted as what the United Nations or some international organizations do, while other countries that are less attentive to the United Nations uh, simply act on the ground. This has also been the case uh, with the Houthis. Uh, they were armed. Um, and received uh, support uh, from another country, mainly Iran, uh, irrespective of what the international community had to say. The entire war in Yemen uh, that, you know, we've seen split in sides and, of course, some attempts to create a diplomatic maneuvers, uh, but uh, diplomatic, uh, you know, maneuvers and overtures eventually, uh, you know, pale in comparison to the situation on the ground when weapons uh, became uh, valuable and then uh, really 80 percent of uh, the Yemenis um, became uh, in need of uh, assistance and, and aid, uh, famine, and, and really one of the worst humanitarian crises uh, in the last uh, century. Uh, of course, the, uh, now the world is uh, looking for some directions from the United States um, and from a new administration. Uh, the Saudis and other partners uh, are also, uh, you know, attentive to this. And therefore, the United States is certainly in position uh, to influence some of the allies. It has uh, some degree of influence uh, when it comes to the Saudis, when it comes to the Gulf partners. It has some uh, potential degree of influence uh, when it comes to Iran as well, as it now um, attempts to negotiate, uh, renegotiate the JCPOA. So putting an international community aside, the U.S. on its own, uh, whatever it will do or will not do, 
has uh, significant ramifications. And if it will play its cards correctly, it at least has the, the theoretical possibility to move the allies uh, to a certain point. Will that convince uh, uh, the, the Houthis to, to change course? Not necessarily, but it will may convince uh, you know, some of the allies to either create uh, humanitarian uh, corridors and, and bring uh, some degree of quiet uh, that will be uh, serve as a temporary uh, solution that that was tried uh, in the past, um, but uh, more significantly, it may push uh, the different parties to uh, uh, get back to uh, a certain degree of uh, uh, in the diplomatic uh, move uh, that can try and bring an agreement. Uh, we've seen surprises uh, in the Middle East in the past, and we may see uh, surprises in this part of uh, uh, the Gulf uh, or the Red Sea as well. Well, it, it sounds an uh, optimistic uh, approach to this uh, situation, considering the fact that it, it might be even as optimistic as the Iranian statement about the fact that if the war in Yemen ends, uh, there will be peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran. But uh, I'd like to ask you, Dr. Lehrman, uh, specifically uh, about the tribalism there. Uh, the fact of the matter is uh, the Houthis are a, a complex of various tribes uh, that have allied to one another under the Houthi uh, family or the Houthi tribe. And uh, wherever area they conquer, ultimately the head of uh, the specific tribes or families in that area come and communicate with the Houthis and pledge allegiance to the leader of the Houthis. And, and so it basically has formed that they are able to increase and grow within the tribalism of uh, uh, war-torn Yemen. Specifically, the, the reason I, I, I mentioned this is, doesn't it mean that the people living under their control, which is about 80% according to uh, Western assessments of the population in Yemen, are they not part of the Houthi army, if you will? Well, um, I think that to the best of my limited understanding of the complexity of the uh, Yemeni situation, it keeps changing. Um, the uh, Shiite uh, fibers, uh, the Houthis, uh, rely also on old religious enmities, uh, but for at least part of the um, evolution of this civil war, they were also allied with forces within the traditional establishment, and then they got rid of them. Ali Abdullah Saleh is a, is a very dramatic story. He was murdered, killed on his way out when he broke with the Houthis. Um, but so, so I think that the, to the best of my understanding, um, this is a, um, an un, um, an, uh, let's say, um, not a very well-settled political situation, even within Houthi-ruled areas. And essentially what keeps them going is the fact that they have been able to establish a supply line with Iran and, be, and, and essentially became Iranian, effective Iranian proxies. Um, they are different. They come from a different uh, variation of the Shia faith. Uh, they believe that the fifth imam was the last, whereas the Iranians are twelvers. But I, didn't, I don't think the Iranians uh, care much about these nuances. What they want is a dagger aimed at Mecca and Medina, a dagger aimed at Saudi Arabia, 
which will enable them essentially to keep uh, the, the Saudis constantly worried. And the current fighting in the Marib area, where maybe there is some oil uh, uh, to, to go back to what we said earlier about the failure to, to make uh, Yemen hospitable to uh, prospecting, uh, the fight for Marib is also the fight for control of the Saudi border. And therefore, we should look essentially at the Houthis as an Iranian tool, as an Iranian um, instrument. Yeah. Meanwhile, the South is falling apart because the, the Adamis uh, do not basically want to be ruled from Sana'a if Sana'a is Houthi. And the old North-South uh, divide, which erupted uh, once before in the, in the uh, 90s, in 94, if I remember right, is now an active divide again. And by the way, there's a split between the Saudis and the Emiratis on this question. The Saudis continue to support the proper government, so to speak, whereas the Emiratis are now more in camp with the STC, with the Southern Transitional Council, which essentially seeks a separatist solution in the South. So, um, I, uh, much as I would, uh, you know, think that uh, it would be for the good of the poor Yemeni people if all the players in this game could come to the table. And we've seen this happen now in Libya, I have to say. As Nia says, there are surprises. That was a, a relatively positive surprise. Everyone moved aside. A new government was put in. Let's see how long this holds. But for the time being, at least, this was a diplomatic solution. Uh, engineered by an American diplomat, by the way, acting for the UN, uh, Stephanie Williams. But when you look at the Yemeni situation, uh, there are layers upon layers upon layers, and there is an active Iranian purpose in establishing a, mm. an active threat to Saudi Arabia. Of course, if, if the Houthis win in Yemen and the war ends uh, with uh, a pro-Iranian proxy in control of the entire country, uh, they can uh, reduce their hostility to Saudi Arabia because the Saudis will be, will be already uh, in a situation where they are facing a threat from both directions. So the Iranians will have won this war. For us in Israel, this would be catastrophic. The Bab al-Mandab is a vital waterway for us. And if it is controlled by an Iranian proxy, the consequences would be very severe. And that is something I would uh, like to ask you, Mr. Oren, in 20 seconds. Uh, uh, Dr. Lehman just noted Iranian instrument with regard to the Houthis. Uh, how concerned is Israel about that situation? Israel is uh, very much concerned. This is uh, the um, Biden administration's first Middle Eastern crisis. This weekend marks the uh, beginning of the second month of this administration. It wants to pivot to the east, but it has to take care of regional crisis too. They are here being tested too. Indeed. Well, this is all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Dr. Lerman and Dr. Bombs for being with us in today's panel. And I'd like to thank uh, uh, Mr. Oren as well, as well as our viewers. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.